0: Welcome to another episode of The Mission Daily. I'm your host, Chad Grills. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. The Mission Daily is your number one source for accelerated learning. Today, we are covering the final principle of accelerated learning, which is fellowship. Specifically, seven keys to generating, developing, and building fellowship. So, first of all, what is fellowship? Fellowship goes beyond friendships, colleagues, working relationships. It starts to move into mission-driven territory. And the idea is The Mission Daily is all about like helping you improve your life. Relationships are an important component of that. And relationships are going to control and dictate if you're able to accomplish a little or a lot. And if you want to accelerate your learning, chances are you want to accomplish a lot. So fellowship is way beyond just friendships and just basic relationships. It's in the mission-driven territory.
1: Yep. This topic is going to have so much influence over our lives. I'm really excited to dive into it today. Before we dive into this episode, we want to say a special thanks to our exclusive sponsor, Audible. To get a free audiobook today, go to audible.com/slash/the mission or text the mission to 500-500.
0: So today's episode hinges on understanding something that is not pleasant to consider, and that is that humanity generally has a distrust of other humans. It's uh, built into us, we're prone to be very skeptical and. This is uh, for good reason. It's uh, obviously a survival mechanism and it's been very, very difficult for humans in the past to build trust and accelerate the rate at which they build trust. So the idea of fellowship is about choosing collaboration over competition at every single step of the way. And there are some really specific things, we just refer to them as keys in this episode, that will help you do that and create either a workplace that's more uh, pro-collaboration instead of competitive or a home life or, you know, relationships with your friends, whatever the case is. Uh, building a healthy relationship with others is so, so important. So, yeah, you ready I think to jump that, in?
1: Yep. I, I was just going to say, I think that most times when you look at the workplace and things, you see um, a lot of competition and that's just hindering everyone's um, work output. And Petty rivalries, moves.
0: politics. Yep, like, is- nobody, nobody likes that. But I think that there is like now a critical mass of people who want to avoid that. I know with like building the missions team, it's been really exhilarating seeing how many people are just so sick of that, that they want to go to a place where that's not what's important, where yep. it's like at least interested in pursuing the idea of a meritocracy where the best idea, uh, the, be- yeah, the best idea wins. Yep, that's so. the way it
1: should be. All right. So what is the first key to fellowship?
0: First key is communication. And so we covered reading, writing, and speaking earlier. We won't belabor those anymore. The whole aspect of writing and reading effectively has never been more important. with how many emails people are sending, the opportunities for miscommunication and uh, you know, back and forth or imagined problems or paranoia has never been greater. We're working, you know, typically remote work environments, or we're doing a lot of our correspondence via email. So getting your ideas out clearly in a, a written format, is critical now because that is the starting place of all problems, basically.
1: Yeah, it's so easy, and I know I've done this on my own, to basically take however you're feeling that day And apply it to an email that comes in. So imagine
0: that the other person is malicious instead of just overtaxed and not that skilled at writing emails.
1: Even when like, you know, your boss might ask you to do something and you're like, you get the email and it starts stressing you out. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like she said that in a certain way. It's making me angry. And you can really build up a story in your head that makes it super stressful. So I think that's a really important point to make sure you get your communication down. Definitely. So what is the key number two?
0: So key number two. Uh, and there's a couple ideas with reading and writing. Uh, I would dive into Jeff Bezos's shareholder letters. That's a great place to start and see why writing a 20 to 30 minute memo might be more effective than doing a PowerPoint or anything like that to get your point across. Because with the written memo, you can then at the beginning of a meeting, sit down and, you know, suggest that everyone read that memo before anything is discussed. Mm-hmm. And that way you just don't get around the fact that, you know, if you've taken the time to prepare something like that, you want everybody else to be on the same page. And this is the best way to do it. And the best way to make sure that, okay, this is what we're doing. And you basically stop the potential for any type of miscommunication there. So number two, protect and share how you spend your digital time with those that you want to build a friendship, fellowship, uh, or a collaborative relationship with. So
1: what do you mean by share? Like so what I, think I tell my friends. more
0: the more that you can write out or let others know what you've been up to, the better it's going to be. So this is, you know, it goes against our uh, inborn tendency to attribute the worst to people. Like that's, that's easy. We've all encountered, you know, scenarios where we think, oh, that person, they haven't done anything over the course of the last week. That might be true, or it could be completely off base. And I think the more that we can outline and share what we've done and then find nice ways to present it. So i.e. non-defensive ways. We, we don't want to like you're not defending your actions or anything like that. You're just sharing what you've been up to. Um, the more that you can share what you've been up to when others are not around. I think this is a very powerful and uh, overlooked and way to, basically to, to collaborate,
1: create better friendships, letting them like in on your life a bit and maybe be able to find more like-minded people like you as you share the type of things you're doing?
0: It's an opportunity for all of that. Yeah, you can start to talk about your uh, how you work, how you were able to do things. You can share with others and get insights from them about how they're working as well. It's just, it opens up uh, an invitation for collaboration, basically. The more you can share what you've been doing and the thought process and how you've been doing it.
1: Got it. And what is the best way maybe to track what you're doing? Because it sounds easy to say, share what you're doing every day. But if I look back on my day, like today, I'm like, what did I do today? it's kind of hard to remember.
0: I, so just simple ones. You can go through the sent messages on your email. You can go through your calendar. You could even take screenshots of both uh, for the day and share the fact like, wow, you know, I you know, sent basically like 70 messages today or something like that. And it's a challenge to go from that to a great conversation or a starting point where, with when you're sharing that information. But so you don't want to just send like screenshots because that appears yeah. kind of defensive. But it's good for you to, you can start with that and then maybe distill it into a simple email message of, you know, here's what I've been working on, like any ideas to improve it. Um, and then asking for advice is a, a great way to start that conversation of, here's what I've been up to, any ideas on how to help. So
1: got it. All right. What is the third key?
0: So the third key is to, leverage the right tech and discard the rest. So get really choosy and picky about the technology, the software that your team subscribes to and decide, is this really helping us or is this just confusing us or kind of like leading us astray? Is it distracting us or is it helping us get clarity and focus? I think there's, it's really easy to fall in the trap of thinking like we need more solutions. We need more tech and things like that. And You know, the answer is, isn't always more tech. In fact, a lot of times it's, you need less tech and you need more of getting out in the real world and doing the right work and doing the relationship building and stuff that's vital to the health of a business. Yeah.
1: Something that reminds me of is at my old job, we used to have phones on our desk and people would just call you randomly and I'd be in the middle of working, typing up an email, working in like, you know, an Excel or something or whatever, very focused. And people would just call you. And these people would be like maybe a couple rows away from you where they could walk over. And when I moved to Google, I'm like, wait, I don't have a phone. Where's my phone? This is weird. Until I started realizing like, no, this is just more collaboration now where people are coming over and we can talk in person and there's less, you know, room for communication error. And it just works out so much better. So it's funny how reducing the amount of tech you have sometimes, even though I don't know if a phone is considered tech anymore. But reducing that actually helped a lot more with collaboration and um, better communication and just building those friendships. And uh,
0: that's a great point. Uh, And I think, too, uh, you can introduce ideas like before you add a new software tool, you first eliminate an old one that the team is not using that much. Maybe that's what you set up. Maybe you set up something that's more aggressive where you pick a new tool, introduce it, and then remove two old t- tools or processes mm-hmm. that just really weren't working. And another important thing is to always ask yourself, why are you choosing this new technology? What will it help you accomplish? Because if you get really specific about what you want to accomplish, then you can reverse engineer the tech that fits in and will help you accomplish that goal.
1: Yep. So, All right, let's move on to the next one.
0: Okay, number four, they compete with who they were yesterday. So it's so easy to fall in the trap of, oh, I have to do this better, and then I have to prove to my boss that I'm doing uh, A, B, and C better than this other person inside our company. So if you're working at a company where you have to compete in that regard, I would uh, strongly you know, suggest that maybe you leave or you know start to look elsewhere. But if you're competing seriously in a sense of you have some sense of what you accomplished yesterday, and then are you accomplishing a little bit more? Are you doing things a little bit more effectively the next day? That's all that matters. And that makes all the difference in the world. When a person like that goes into a collaborative environment, they are just going to like, you know, become even better. Whereas if a person is going into that environment competing or looking to compete with everybody else or the company down the street, it is just toxic for the culture.
1: Yeah. One thing I really like doing to be able to see what I've done over the past year or two years is to every quarter go through the big projects I've worked on, the big things that I've done, and then being able to look back on that and seeing like, wow, I can't believe, you know, it took me a week To work on this one project where now that's just something I do every day. And even if you're not in a corporate job where they're forcing you to do these reviews, which can be annoying, but actually when you look back on it, it's helpful. I'd say I would still do it in my personal life just because it's so helpful to see how far I've come and then be able to continue to compete with myself instead of worrying about what other people are doing.
0: I love that. And I think that's something that people can get together in a small group and share and go over. So it's really another great idea is to get together. And when you do, share the personal challenges or limitations that you're trying to get over like how are you trying to get better and the more that you can become vulnerable in, in that sense in front of others you can get very valuable information from them they will either try to exploit that vulnerability and uh, use it to their advantage if they do that's a you know a huge red flag you're not going to be able to collaborate with them well but if they in turn become a bit more vulnerable and share a little bit more, then you're going to be able to, you know, increase the rate at which you're able to do work and accomplish cool stuff.
1: Yeah, so. accountability is definitely key. All right, so what is our fifth key for fellowship?
0: Negativity. So negativity is the specter of, it will stop you from accomplishing whatever it is you want in life. And really successful teams and people and those who accelerate their own learning, abhor negativity. They can't stand it. Whenever they do hear it, they try to physically Uh, and spiritually (laughs) distance themselves from it, it is that toxic. There's a great quote. um, I think it's negativity is the enemy of creativity. And there's plenty of research that shows negativity stops all (laughs) quote unquote good ideas. Uh, And on top of that, there are a lot of new researchers that show that negativity or being pessimistic literally damages your brain over time. You're going to have less energy. You're not going to think as clearly. And it's something that when you encounter it, You have to do everything you can to not encourage it because it will metastasize and permeate all aspects of your organization so quickly if you let it.
1: Yeah, and it's easy for it to turn into like a slippery slope too, where it just starts with one person and it's easy for maybe the group to hang out with that one person and then everyone starts kind of like having their own negative points to make and they're all kind of building off each other. And then you look at it and it's kind of spiraled out of control and you didn't even realize that was happening in the background. And there goes your whole company culture or your friendship circle or whatever it is, just based on maybe the one person who started the negativity circle.
0: Completely, (laughs) And it's easy to blow off steam in in a way that is negative instead of smart. I think that's like a challenge that goes out to each of us. Like when things go wrong or when the pressure builds up so much in a work pursuit or something like that, sometimes you need a little bit of satire. You need to be able to laugh at yourself, but it's really important to check yourself. Does it fall into the, are you just being negative for the sake of being negative? Or is it smart and funny satire that points out your weakness in a way that is uh, not, you know, not threatening to everyone, I guess.
1: Yeah. I really liked um, an idea to reduce negativity in my life was setting a personal goal to not complain or spread negativity to anyone around me that's just been really helpful having that challenge for myself because it actually makes me feel better. I know it also helps everyone who's around me, but it's just been a really good um, yeah, challenge to embark on.
0: That's a great reminder. Because anytime you encounter that emotion, there are ways to transmute it. You can put your shoulders back, get out for a walk. You can eat an avocado or something that's going to boost your serotonin level. You can get some exercise, get some cardio. That's like, nobody feels bad after they've got a hard hour workout, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle is going to be much, much better at that point. And then you can return to the group and face the problem from that new, fresh mindset. And that's a big key to fellowship. Yeah. So next one is, if you're gonna build fellowship, you have to measure, record, and reward. So you're gonna to have to measure, record, and reward your own actions. And you're gonna probably wanna work with other people who are doing the same things. So you wanna create really good incentives for to make predictions about the future for yourself, for your own life, for your professional life, and then if you're correct or close to being correct, you have to reward yourself. You have to treat yourself.
1: Treat <laughs> in <a> ma- yourself. <laughs>
0: in a major way. So, Yeah,
1: I think that's really good, especially the reward part. I know that, I mean, I personally get to that stage and then I'm so ready to move on to like the next big goal or, you know, the next thing that I want to start measuring to improve myself. And I'm always well, I used to be. Not anymore. Kind of in this mindset of like, okay, well, the next time I get to this next goal, then I'll really give myself the reward. But this one, after I met it, it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. So I think trying to get back in that habit of like, no, I did what I said I was going to do and I deserve my reward to continually have your brain wanting to do more of that.
0: Definitely. And so there's some more ideas too, I think we should talk about to create a really good reward system for yourself and for others. So just think about it in terms of you have to track who called heads and who called tails. So the more you can get everyone to uh, in your friend circle and your work circle to get really clear about what they are recommending or voting for, essentially just keep track of voting for what? Are you voting for this? Are you voting for that? Then was it correct? How correct was it? That's uh, just crucial. And you can use a tool like Slack to record who said what. That's a very simple approach to creating a workplace where you have some type of measurement and management over who is correct.
1: But how do you keep that from creating like a competition? Because I could see that easily spiraling into going against our previous point of like, then sure. everyone starts competing.
0: I think it's definitely a balance. But if everyone approaches it in a, in a spirit of, I'm not looking to prove you wrong. I'm looking to make more correct predictions. I think that is they again, you're not competing with others. You're trying to compete with who you were yesterday. And if all of your predictions are You know, if you get more joy out of voting correctly or voting for what works or introducing initiatives or ideas that are then successful, that you can then measure and manage and take back with the data to your boss, to your employees and say, look, like I said, we should do this. We did it. uh, And it was great. It worked out a lot better than when we did this other thing before. Um, Yeah. Again, if you're competing with who you were yesterday, it's a great strategy.
1: Yeah. So I was talking to a high up person. Um, at the company that I used to work with, and it was all related to housing and mortgages and stuff. And I was telling them that the documents and the process that came with buying a house were all going to be eventually imported onto, like, the blockchain. So you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, is there a lien on this house or does someone still own it or any of the documents that all get lost now and are still on paper. I was just telling him that we should start kind of looking into the research behind uh, the blockchain because I think that the housing market could really be impacted by that. And this was a long time ago. And he basically kind of gave me this look like you're crazy and that would never work. I have no idea what you're talking about. And we're definitely not looking into that. And now it's really funny. Just recently, I think you sent me an article that showed that that's exactly what these startups are doing now. And I wish that I could just go back to him and be like, remember that conversation we had? It's happening now. It just took a lot of years, but here it is. <laughs>
0: so. I think the really important thing to point out with that, though, is that you've taken tangible steps to do things in the real world based on that prediction. So not only are you getting really involved with like cryptocurrencies and, and things like that, but you took steps to put your own skin in the game behind those ideas. And that's that's really important. So go beyond talk into action because now like Frank Sinatra has a great quote that the best revenge is massive success. And now that you've put your own skin in the game about those ideas, looking back, like, that person is still in the same place, and meanwhile, you're
1: here. I am on top living of the world, <laughs> living
0: in the future. You know, with those with those technologies. Yeah. Okay. The final key here to uh, really help accelerate your learning and build fellowship is to master yourself. So that is the the primary focus and the challenge. And it's been said that you know, mastering yourself is far more difficult than ruling over a city or being an emperor. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And two great ways to get started, uh, there's a book called Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter and a book called Spark by Dr. John Rady. And these two books are very, very important. So one is obviously all about your diet and how to keep a uh, clean and functioning brain that serves you. And with Spark, it's a book about exercise and specifically how to induce BDNF1 into your brain. So that's a brain-derived neurotropic factor, and it's essentially like miracle grow for your brain. It helps uh, neurogenesis, build new cells, clean out waste. Uh, It's gonna help you avoid Alzheimer's, all that good stuff. So those are two examples of, if you take your health seriously and if you exercise and get the adequate amount of BDNF1 into your brain every single day, you're going to be able to quickly build fellowship with anyone.
1: Yep, so if you're the best that you can be, then you'll attract the best.
0: So good. So I hope you enjoyed this. These are the seven keys of fellowship. And this is another part. So fellowship is a really, really important part of accelerated learning. And that wraps up our 10 principles for accelerated learning. We hope you enjoyed them. We're going to do a lot more mini series like this in the Mission Daily. Let us know what you think. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. And uh, subscribe to our newsletter at themission.co.
1: Have a great week, everyone. See you.